This is Israeli Technology Founders Speak, a podcast of conversations with successful Israeli high-tech and biotech entrepreneurs, with your host, Avraham Hermon. Karen Leshem is the CEO of Okan Healthcare an Israeli biotech startup that innovates, manufactures, and commercializes cutting-edge women's health products, such as their intrauterine ball, which can carry multiple drugs to the uterus to treat a variety of conditions. Karen brings over 20 years of experience in the medical device and pharmaceutical industries, specializing in the management of innovative startups, strategy, commercialization, and financing. She was recently dubbed one of the three women shaping the future of women's health by Forbes magazine. Avraham sat down with Karen in the offices of Ocon Healthcare, where they discussed the challenges of growing a startup, what's unique about building a startup in Israel, what it's like to be a female CEO, the role of patents in their business, tips for startup founders, and much more. This podcast is a creation of J.M.B. Davis Ben David, an intellectual property law firm serving clients around the world. You have great innovations. We keep them safe. It's not enough to just have a great startup idea or innovation. If you don't legally protect your innovations, products, and brand, anyone can claim them as their own. We keep your great innovation secure. Learn more by going to jmbdavis.com. That's J-M-B-D-A-V-I-S dot com. Karen, thank you for inviting me to your office and letting me interview you this morning. And I'm um, excited to hear about Ocon Healthcare. What problem does Ocon Healthcare solve? So first of all, good morning, Avram, and thank you for coming here and for your interest to learn more about Ocon. What problem do we solve? So I think the whole world is going into more of a personalized type healthcare and treatment. and Ocon chose to look at women's health specifically through the uterus. And we design a stent that knows to fit itself to the uterine size contraction and the fact that it's a cavity. And on this stent, we deliver drugs to treat uh, multiple conditions in women's health. So there are a lot of companies out there that are making intrauterine devices, right? So what makes your company unique? So I think that intrauterine devices haven't had a facelift in tens and tens of years. Mm-hmm. I think the last one to have uh, or brought innovation was really the hormonal version of a T-shaped IUD. It's amazing to realize that uh, through a few years ago, uh, everybody thought the uterus was flat. It's not, it's a cavity. And in a cavity, if you place a two-dimensional plastic large IUD, you get tons of drawbacks. It's painful, it hurts, it malposition, it breaks. And what Ocon has developed, we really developed a very soft, smaller stent. It's about a third in size that fits itself to this cavity. So it doesn't have any sharp edges. It doesn't malposition. And it just introduces better quality ingredients into the uterus. So this is really the new generation of IUDs, intrauterine devices. So do you want to tell us, Karen, how this IUD works and how it's different? First of all, it has the thinnest insertion tube in the world. So it's very, very, very thin. And what it does, it basically turns backwards or folds into a ball within the uterus itself. And that's one of the patents that we have around the product itself. So we own the 3D space in the uterus because of the way the design is to fold backwards and really protect the lining and the walls of the uterus from perforations. 
once it folds, it really carries on it the various uh, drugs or hormones or therapeutics that it requires. Uh, and it sits there comfortably. So how long can this uh, device be used for? Well, it really depends on what we're treating. So our first product, for example, is for contraception. It could live in the woman's body up to five years. Mm -hmm. Our second product doesn't live in the body. It goes in and out to treat a different condition. So it really delivers a certain chemical to ablate bleeding tissue. The third product, again, would be a product that would be in for months, years, or even up to a decade, delivering hormones and other APIs, active pharmaceutical ingredients, to really treat an array of diseases. Mm -hmm. And briefly, uh, what, what stage is your first product? H how advanced is that? Where are you with that product? So we actually have a whole platform of products. Our first one is already commercial mm -hmm. in countries outside the US, uh, Europe, Israel, South America, South Africa. Uh, we're very soon going to be launching in Canada, also Mexico and Central America. Wow. So we really signed exciting agreements also in China and Japan. So we're really kind of, you know, making the footprint bigger. This is our first product. Our second product is in phase 2B clinical studies. So it's pretty mm -hmm. advanced. We have one more study to go after this study, which will be our pivotal study for FDA approval. And last but not least, we have a working prototype on our third product, uh, which is the hormonal delivery uh, for the various treatments of uh, endometriosis, contraception, of course, abnormal uterine bleeding. Uh, and then we can also load active ingredients for fibroids and menopause. Um, so exciting. We have a whole platform of products. So briefly, how is the market relating to your, to your product that's been launched? Um, I think the, there were some mistakes done in the initial launch of the product. I think companies really need to understand what the product um, that they own can do. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, our first product is not a better product in terms of efficacy. It won't give better contraception effect because it uses the same technology as the older version or traditional IUDs. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is a safer product. We know that it's a more convenient product. It's more comfortable to wear. It uh, has a higher safety profile because of ectopic pregnancies, because of bleeding, and because of pain. And so understanding that and understanding how to insert it, which is very different from a traditional way of inserting, taught us a lot. I think women are super excited about the product. They're super excited mm -hmm. to learn that there are more options than the options that existed, which were traditional and very few. I think it's great that we have more women targeted as uh, clinical studies uh, because most clinical studies are not done uh, on women because of the, the hormonal flux uh, that we have every month. So here's a company who really takes women and only women into account. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a general excitement about the products and the outlay uh, and the future of products that we will bring uh, for women. I wanted to know how the idea was born and how you became involved in it. So actually, the idea was born from a very perceptive gynecologist, an Israeli gynecologist, who, in addition to the, the various treatments that he's done for women, realized that women come and complain a lot about their IUDs. Mm -hmm. And in the earlier days, there was only um, the one-dimensional or two-dimensional, sorry, ultrasound. You couldn't really see a malposition. Perforations were very hard to detect. But slowly, he came to the realization that these IUDs are too big for the average cavity. And he realized that a ball shape would be a much better fitting way to deliver drugs and contraception into the uterus. And so he started working on how to address this issue because the cervix, the way to the uterus is very, very narrow. So how do you get a ball up into the uterus through a very narrow cervix? And that's how he designed and chose nitinol as a stent and chose the balls of the copper and in invented this, this fantastic 
innovation, which by the way, I'm using as well and can tell you, I enjoy very much. This gynecologist, his name is Dr. Ilan Baram. So he was the founder uh, of the company. I was, got involved about two and a half years ago. So the company was already eight years old and I was brought in to try to assess and help how to create a bigger footprint of sales uh, across the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's how I started my journey uh, with Ocon. So that's interesting. So nitinol is the substance that it's made out of, and that's typically used for stents for all sorts of applications. And uh, here, the inventor decided to, to use it for something else that hasn't been used for before, right? Correct. Nitinol has a memory shape, uh, so you can design it to be any shape you wish, and it will keep its shape for years on the shelf. And so, of course, the product is introduced in a straight line into the uterus, mm -hmm. uh, where it folds and always will retain uh, its shape. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about uh, IP. So what role does intellectual property and specifically patents have in your business strategy? So this is a, a super interesting question because I think this is the number one driver to make the decision to keep this company funded and alive and to really push forward to change the management and to do the full restartup that we've done. The patents in Ocon are so strong and they really demonstrate how with some thought, very early on thought, uh, you can really uh, manage to grab a footprint in the area that you, um, you want to cater to. Mm -hmm. So for example, Ocon has three families of patents. And the first family talks about the stent itself or the 3D space in the uterus. So we own that. We really own the 3D space in the uterus. Mm -hmm. You can put a T, a line, a triangle. You cannot put two arcs. These two arcs that fold into a ball, that belongs to Ocon. And this has been granted all over the world, mm -hmm. in Israel, the United States, all across Europe, China, Canada, you name it. That's the first family of patents. The second family of patents talks about what you can put on this frame. And again, here, it's a very, very strong patent, recently granted in the United States. Mm -hmm. And it talks about the fact that we can put any active ingredient on this frame, any active ingredient, and it really mandates or, or uh, sets apart um, the various different APIs or active pharmaceutical ingredients. So it could be any hormone, any pharmaceutical, any chemical, or any active ingredient. That's the patent. So the patent is very strong. And the third one, of course, talks about any formulations that we've done to these active ingredients. So obviously, copper and hormones cannot be patented. These are very old uh, and known substances. But we do have patents around other indications, such as abnormal uterine bleeding, uh, where these, the third family of patents uh, kind of kick in. So it's a very well thought out strategy for patents. And I think that at the end of the day, this is the strength of the company to be able to bring innovation, but also protect it and to be a leader in this space. So very proud of this uh, portfolio. What difficulties did you have in the process of bringing this idea to the market? And you mentioned the restartup, the reorganization of the startup. Maybe you can expand a little bit on that. I think it's easier to say what we didn't face. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, everything. I think the company was a bit stagnant for about eight years. The, the former management were really focusing on one product to bring it to market. And they did that really well. They did that quickly. They got a CE and started really getting it to, to the hands of, of women and doctors uh, across Europe and Israel. I think they kind of missed on the value of the platform. And that's one of the things that we changed uh, quickly mm -hmm. uh, was the strategy to see that there is a platform here and it's not just a one-off product. Uh, we also realized that this platform is a pharmaceutical therapeutic platform and not a device per se, which also has a much higher 
let's say, interest and a much higher return on investment to, to the investors. And also, I think that uh, when you look at the operations, you know, sometimes I always say you need luck. Eight years ago, nobody cared about women's health. There was one or two exits. It wasn't a very discussed topic. In the last two years, we've seen mergers and acquisitions and investments in women's health that is just keep on growing. And it's really exciting to be in the space now because now we can make an impact. And now there's a lot more room uh, for women's health companies. And we've recently even won a tech pioneer recognition by the World Economic Forum, one in a hundred companies that are creating impact uh, in the world. This is so exciting for us to see that A, women's health as as a, as a topic is getting noticed, but mm-hmm. also because what we're doing is so close to our hearts and so needed uh, for women's health and, and women's well-being. Um, so we've, we've been through a whole lot. Yeah, wow, that sounds like a, quite an adventure. In terms of funding, you mentioned briefly uh, funding. Uh, can you explain a little bit about your, your pathway to funding and uh, throughout, throughout the, the course of the startup? So um, the company was funded in, in various rounds and raised um, almost $20 million and up to the point where we restarted it. Mm-hmm. Restarting a company is not easy. It's not easy on the team. It's not easy on the management. It's not easy on the board. It's not easy on the investors. It's not easy on the market. And so uh, it's been a very, very tough road to get investors to believe that new management can really make a difference and change the strategy and the company and the milestones and and really the trajectory. And also, it also means that there's still a ways to go before you can become uh, a platform company. And so investments were very difficult in the beginning. I admire the investors that came in and took a huge risk. I'm talking about two and a half years ago or two years ago, putting money on me as a leader of this company, but also on the team and also on the market. Uh, and so I really admire these investors and they've supported us really from the, the restart itself. And of course, the new investors that came in, if these are people um, like you and I that came in from, from a certain crowdfunding campaign or people on LinkedIn that, that wanted to join the cause and put in their own uh, money that we've had as well, wow. uh, all the way to family offices that joined us. It's a very tiring process because you have to keep going at the fundraising mm-hmm. in order to elevate the company's valuation in order to really be able to get a bigger ticket or a bigger chunk, which is what we've done in the past two years. So now that we've put together our strategy and we have all our ducks in a row, we've recently also reached a few very, very important milestones for the company. So now that we've increased our valuation, now we can go out and do a bigger round. I think mm-hmm. now will be a lot easier and the risk has been reduced very, very substantially. I guess with the product in the market also, it's, uh, it's different than before, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we're located here in Israel in Modi'in, and maybe you could tell us what is unique about a startup originating in Israel with Israeli technology. Well, first of all, I'm so um, Zionistic, I'm, I'm a little crazy. I believe <laughs> that everything here is just the best. We have the Jewish mind, and uh, it, it's incredible what, uh, what uh, Dr. Baram you know, brought to fruition. I really admire that. I think that uh, we have the chutzpah and uh, the creative thinking of really getting, you know, a program and progress off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we do need help with a support system around us on how to reach countries like the U.S., like China, like Europe, 
help with strategy. We need a strong board and we need strong mentors around us to really help us understand where, you know, the best uh, fight is to fight. And uh, I can tell you that I'm involved in 8400 that are doing exactly that. I myself, you know, surround myself with a lot of people that uh, are considered industry experts. Um, I always say that I never signed off on being smart, but I, I do know how to put people around me that are smart <laughs> and that can help. That's important. Can you explain a little bit about to our listeners about uh, 8400? Sure. I think this is, this is a wonderful initiative. They bring together not only industry, but also government policies and money. And they put together people from the ecosystem to make sure we can help and assist each other and bring the funding that is necessary and really cater from each other's experience. I'm a mentor in the 8400 program. And I can tell you both I uh, receive so much from the mentorship, but also my mentee mm-hmm. uh, from the experiences that I've had. And I also learn uh, from her, uh, from the questions that she asks on, on how to really navigate this very, very lonely journey of, of being an entrepreneur and, and really putting a company together. And I, I always say that, that mentorship is super important, but also your team. So you got to get a good team around you and get a mentor or even join an accelerator, something that you can do this so that you're not absolutely alone with your thoughts and with your ideas. Mm-hmm. Sanity checks, basically. Yeah, I have another, a few other clients and acquaintances that I know that are in this 8400 program. So I've heard a lot about it and uh, it's Fantastic. been helping people. In terms of uh, challenges for women founders, now we're sitting in a women's health company and the CEO is a woman. Do you think that there are challenges associated with women in leadership roles, especially CEO of companies in Israel? You know, only when I started working for Ocon, which is a women's health, women-led company, is when I started talking about, you know, the differences maybe between men and women in leadership positions, because I've never seen myself as a woman or a man. I always saw myself as a professional, mm-hmm. <laughs> leading yeah. a company or doing business development or whatever job I ever had. I always saw myself as a, as a team member, mm-hmm. right? It never went to women or man uh, place. Um, but since this discussion has risen, I do see much difference in the way I present to men investors, for example, versus how I present to women investors, for example. With men, you know, I really focus on the size of the opportunity and the market and, you know, the team I've built around me of men, some of them, to really make sure they realize that I'm just the orchestrator and this is a great opportunity for a return on investment. Mm -hmm. With the women investors, I can touch on the need and, you know, what we're solving and the impact where I think they they can relate a lot more. Mm-hmm. Even if the market size could be less, which it is not in women's health for 50% of the population. Sure. And, you know, so many women suffer from so many diseases around the uterus. But even though they can see the impact and the stories and the problem that we're solving. So there is a difference in the narrative when I pitch to men and, and pitch to women. But again, I'm I'm not a very feminist in the way that, you know, because I'm a woman you know, I'm treated differently. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't feel that. And I don't, I don't see that. I think it's hard to, to manage a women's health company because there's less money and opportunities in women's health. But I think that is also changing now. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are sources of funding. And I think that the latest exits and merges and acquisitions have done really well for the market. So we'll see it to continue growing in the next five years. I'm, I'm excited. I'm optimistic. <laughs> 
What tips do you have for founders or other people who have ideas just starting with their new idea with their company? Wow. As I mentioned, I think that your support system is the most important. Get a mentor, someone you trust. In Hebrew, we say, mm-hmm. uh, It's true. You really need someone you trust uh, that you can talk to, that you can be absolutely open about your fears, about your thoughts, about your strategy, and someone that can help you along the way that doesn't have a vested interest one way or the other. So a mentor is super important. And if you're really, really starting out with just an idea and you haven't done it before, highly recommend joining uh, the ecosystem through an accelerator or some sort of incubator because they really organize people around you to support you on all the different decision processes that you need to make. If it's on the product and if it's on the engineering and if it's on the IP and if it's on the, you know, the legal aspects of everything and if it's in the business development and if it's in the marketing or the market opportunity. And so, um, I really think it's important to a join an accelerator facilitator incubator, but on the other hand, get yourself a mentor that you trust that could also open their network and help you. Those are my two, you know, biggest, um, recommendations for starting founders. It's a very lonely journey. Uh, when you start out something and you're unsure and you don't know, and there's mm-hmm. so many questions, uh, I really recommend that. Okay. That sounds good. And I, and it sounds like you're also taking that role as a mentor seriously and uh, mentoring other startup founders. And by the way, I have a mentor too. I have two of them, right? So mm-hmm. it never stops. You never stop learning. You never stop growing. And there's always someone that can teach you something. Um, so I'm, sure. I'm blessed with two, uh, two mentors that I, I find uh, to be uh, extremely, extremely important in my journey. So we discussed your products, that you have a product on market and you have two products in various stages of development. But where do you see your company down the road in a few years? Well, again, being a crazy Zionist, I want to build the biggest women's health company. I want to make sure that we treat all the conditions we can possibly can mm-hmm. from the uterus. These are huge, multi, multi-billion dollar markets. And the need is really necessary for these different uh, diseases. But I also want to build the biggest AI in women's health. You know, we wear these devices in our bodies anyway. Why not put a chip on these devices and learn? I want to learn everything we can on the microbiome in the uterus, on fertility. I want to learn any, everything we can learn about vitamins and minerals and, and even diabetes. There's so much life and prolific and stem cells and blood in the uterus where we can learn so much. So, so that's really my dream is to really build something big around women's health. Hopefully in the future, Ocon will be in a position to add external innovation not only for uterine delivery, but also vaginal delivery. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are things that I'm, I'm now looking at uh, growing once we stabilize our platform and really bring some of this innovation to the U.S. markets as well. Wow. So this sounds like a, a different path than a lot of the startups that I speak to that are talking about uh, being acquired by other companies or selling. And here you have a, a vision, long-term vision for the future, and that's good to hear. So- well, we're, we're going to need help. Startups in Israel are not necessarily big commercial organizations. We're not, you know, you have the big organizations that they, this is what they do. They know how to take products and commercialize them. So we'll definitely need help along the way. If it comes to be a merger acquisition, if it comes as an IPO, you know, we do need finances to, to help us support expansion. Uh, but I think the core of the knowledge and the enthusiasm that we have here as a team is unparalleled, really unparalleled. Thank you very much for taking the time. For me, it's been a pleasure learning about your company and hearing from you about your experience. And I hope that our listeners enjoy it as well. Thank you very much, Avraham. The pleasure was all mine. 
That was Karen Leshem, the CEO of Ocon Healthcare. We hope you enjoyed this episode. There are many more to come. Do you have a great innovation or startup idea? We'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by going to our website, jmbdavis.com. And if you go to jmbdavis.com forward slash startup, you'll see we have a special site specifically made for startups to help startups protect their innovations. Please be in touch with us and find out how we can help you. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to bringing you the next episode.